All right, so this is Todd Atkins, and I'm here with Danielle Curtis from Australia. And uh, I want to thank you for taking time to do this. You know, uh, I know that this match coming up that you're having is a, is a pretty big match in Australia. And uh, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to, to anyone who might be watching this who may not have seen you fight before, whatever. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. Um, and hi to everyone tuning in. Uh, I'm Danielle Drop Bear Curtis, uh, MMA fighter from Australia. And um, yeah, I'm about to make my professional debut after a very long, um, very full amateur career where we've done a, a lot of things and um, it's been a journey and I'm so excited um, to, to finally be making my professional debut. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit um, as we get into it. Um, but yeah, so thanks for any, thanks to anyone that is tuning in. Um, I can't wait to, to get into it and actually tell you a little bit about my journey. Now I want to ask you something. You might think this kind of silly, but I watch a video like drop bear videos, you know, like Australians, like most Australians I know, you can never tell if they're being serious about anything. This looks yeah, like a joke, obviously, these videos, these drop bear videos koalas you know so tell tell me if you know where this came up first of all where people this whole drop bear thing came from like if you know who thought of this Mate, i take bears, it it's not true drop bears yeah. are a part of australian culture australian right. history um and it is it is something that every australian knows about there's something that every australian will uh, tell foreigners about or people that haven't been to Australia before or, you know, obviously they're, they're coming over here for, for the first time ever. So if you ever come across an Australian, um, you know, if you're, if someone, if an Australian is telling you um, about drop bears and, you know, you're, you're not sure and so you find some other random Australian that has nothing to do with the original Australian that told you about it, um, and, and you ask them about drop bears, they will tell you the exact same thing. Um, so what a drop bear is, if you're, if you're unsure, a drop bear is basically a, um, a, a relative of the koala, a little bit bigger, um, obviously significantly different in the fact that uh, a koala, usually a little bit cute and cuddly, um, the drop bear um, actually drops out of trees and uh, basically mauls people. Um, so that that's kind of why obviously Australians will always tell um, foreigners and tourists about it because, you know, you don't want to just go wandering through uh, the bush uh, and forget to, to, to look up. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's a, a typical Australian um, like legend uh, that we all know about and, um, you know, that's been told to us by, um, you know, our parents and our grandparents and you know everybody passes that down generation on generation that we all are making sure that we do you know educate any foreigners about uh about drop bears so that's that's kind of what we that's what we do um yeah so you're saying it's real mate this is it is as real as okay. can be um you know it's it's a, a typical australian legend okay. um yeah when I, I mean, watched the right, videos yeah. on YouTube, I thought someone was like messing with me. You know, like I couldn't tell if it was real or if someone was making a, a joke out of it. Well, I mean, everything in Australia can kill you and everything in Australia <laughs> seems like a joke. Some people think that uh, Australia isn't real. So, you know, um, it, it is one of those things, you know, um, 
it, it's uh it's definitely one of those uh, Aussie legends that uh, Australians take great pride in in uh, in uh, pulling the leg of, of foreigners with. So, um, I mean, you guys can do your own research on on drop bears, um, but just know that uh, you know one exists right here, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, it, it suits it suits me and my fight style actually. Um, and I was I was given that name, so yeah. That's interesting. That's what you learn something new every day. Like I was researching it and I couldn't tell if it was real or someone was making a joke about it. So hey, it's hard to it's tell. Real. It's hard to tell with Australians. It's hard to tell. Right. Very hard. So, you know, I wanted to kind of talk to you like I was telling you offline. I have a friend, Justin Lawrence, for people who don't know him, he was involved in the early days of MMA in Australia. And he called me and probably talked to me for about an hour about this match, but really about the backstory. He was saying the importance of this match, not just because of the two of you and what you've done, you know, the accolades you've achieved, but also this whamma gamma type of rivalry, so to speak. Do you feel yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, every fight is your biggest fight. I mean, it's professional debut. It's, you know, so it's big in itself. Um, uh, that, the the bureaucracy or the or the backstory um between the two organizations um far exceeds us two as as fighters so i think there's a lot of eyes on this um because of that because essentially um imaf uh and and gamma so international mixed martial arts federation i think and global association of mixed martial arts so they both hold world championships um where, you know, uh, tournament format is basically like the Olympics of MMA. Both of them are trying to get the sport of MMA into the Olympics. So it's a big thing for both of them. They both recognize, um, like, obviously you go over there, very similar to the format of, of boxing in the Olympics where you weigh in every day, you compete every day, you know, you fight multiple times um, and, you know, all the countries all over the world, if you win the entire thing, you get a gold medal, you know, you... Um, they play your national anthem, all of those kind of things. So they're very similar um, in that regard. Really, the only difference is IMAF is all amateurs. So amateur rule set, but everyone that can compete in that only amateurs can compete. Whereas Gamma is still an amateur rule set and the same um, equipment used. So they both utilize the slightly bigger um, gloves and the, the material shin guards. Um, same rules, you know, no elbows, all of that kind of stuff and three, three, three minute rounds. Um, but the difference is gamma is pro am. So it's just anyone who's considered the best from those countries can come over so they can already be professional fighters. So amateurs and professionals both compete at gamma. Um, and I guess that's the, the only real difference in terms of like the format. Um, and so when I won my gold medal, I actually did my gold medal match um i actually did fight a professional fighter that was already four fights into her professional career um so that's really the only only difference um and it's not saying that you know i i'm not gonna say one level is better than the other or one's worth more than the other i'll leave that to everyone else to decide i have you know i have my own opinions um but basically we have both won the the gold medal for australia in uh, each of those organizations. And so both of them are obviously fighting to be the one 
reputable world championships and to be the one uh, that is getting the sport into the Olympics. Um, so obviously there there is that rivalry there um, and we, we see that in every country and every set of athletes that are determining, especially amateurs, who they want to go and compete for, uh, which one of these competitions. And so uh, I think that's why there's a lot of eyes because this, I think to my knowledge, this may be the first time that we're seeing two world champions from the competing organizations. Um, yeah compete against each other. So I think that's why there's bringing a lot of eyes to the sport or, or this particular matchup um, is, is because of that. Um, and then the other, the other part of that is that both of us, um, but both of us have a lot of accolades. Like obviously we both have the world titles. Um, I've just gone on to win another two different titles in two different, like two other weight divisions. So three different, so I fought, fought and won titles across three different weight divisions, uh, which is I don't think has been done before in terms of holding them all at the same time. Um, and both of us have had so many fights within a short amount of time as well. We've both been super active. Um, so, you know, it seems to be like a clash of the titans kind of thing. Um, you, we really are like two of the best fighters um, fighting each other. And so usually when two people are making their professional debut, it's, it's just for a regular professional fight. Um, but this fight is actually going to be straight up for a professional title, um, which is, you know, not common either, but given our accolades, um, we're actually ranked quite highly in the, the pound for pound rankings, um, across Australia and New Zealand, we're actually ranked higher than, you know, like the other Amis, but also um, some of the, the pros um, in the respective weight divisions and stuff as well. Um, so basically uh, the officiating body and the show that made this matchup kind of, well, the show put it to the officiating body that went, I know they're only, you know, making their debut, but these are the two best um, fighters. So we want this to be a title fight, um, you know, straight up. So I think that might also be sort of playing into that as well. So it is a big, it's a big deal for everyone else. And and it's so cool that everyone in Australia is like really excited to watch this fight. And I'm so excited to be a part of it and to go out there. And I know that we're going to absolutely steal the show and everybody's going to be a winner because we're going to put on a, like, we're going to put on an amazing fight and the sport and especially women's MMA is going to be the real winner at the end of the night. So yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, yeah, I think it is, it's a big deal, but, um, yeah, I guess not, not many people outside of Australia probably know about it though. Yeah. I had said really, um, not just because of what he had told me, but because of the accolades of both of you that it probably could say this is a, maybe the biggest debut match that women's MMA has had. Yeah, maybe. Anywhere. Yeah, that's a big call. And I'll, I'll leave that to you and everyone else to make, but it definitely feels like it, it's a big moment. And um, especially too, like, I, I think people are, there's a lot of eyes on that for all of those reasons. And also um, like I only fought two weeks ago and it's only two weeks until this fight, the professional debut. So uh, 
a lot of people are also tuning in to sort of be like, wow, like how are you fighting twice in four weeks, let alone two title fights in four weeks, and then also making that transition from amateur to professional in such a short time frame. Um, and obviously it's a big risk. Um, and, you know, it was big risks fighting at all of these different weight divisions. But uh, at the end of the day, if you want to achieve great things, you have to take the risks that, you know, no one else is willing to take. And at the end of the day, that's that's what I'm here to do. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great match. And, yeah, there's definitely some eyes on it. And I hope that we can do uh, women's MMA proud and really represent our country, um, Australia you know, and, and really put it on the map. Let me ask you this. Cause you, you talked about the fight you just had. Were you at all concerned? Wow. I got this big fight coming up. You know, should I do this, do this fight? I mean, maybe I'll miss this fight. Yeah. Like I mean, it's definitely, you know, it was something that we talked about and we considered because um, we had the, the first one locked in and we got, given um, obviously this opportunity, this matchup. Um, and initially we didn't even know that they were going to make it a title fight. Um, like this professional debut, we just assumed it would be just a regular three, three round fight. Um, and yeah, my coach and I talked about it. My team talked about it. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I take, I take the opportunities as they come. Um, I think it's really special that uh I was afforded this opportunity and, um, you know, you take the opportunity or you lose it. And at the end of the day, I want to fight the best people and I, I want to do the things that no one else is doing. And obviously you have those thoughts where you, you have, you think about it. Okay. Well, what happens? What happens if I lose the first fight? What happens if I get damaged? What happens if I pull out all of these things? Um, but it, at the end of the day, everyone, everyone knew that that second fight, like everyone was aware that I already had the other one booked. So at the end of the day, if, if everybody was happy to accept that matchup, knowing that I already had the the matchup only a few weeks beforehand that, you know, well, why am I worried if they're not worried? You know, what, why am I worrying about it at the end of the day, whatever will be, will be. Um, and if I, you know, can't make that matchup happen, unfortunately that's, that's how it is. But I believe in myself and my coaches and my team believed in me and um, you know, everyone's sort of doing the, the what ifs on the negative side. What if you get hurt? What if you get injured? What if you lose? But we like to look at it from the other point of view. Okay. What if you go out there and you stop someone in 20 seconds and you're not injured, you're in best shape that you've ever been. And you, you know, you don't take a scratch, you know, what if you win, but also like, how are you going to feel if you turn down that, that opportunity because you were scared about, you know, the fear of something that hasn't happened. Um, so rather than, than be like, Oh, well, it's a big risk. These things could happen. It's like, nah, flip it on its head. What happens if you go out there, you win that you're fine. Then you go on and you do the next thing, you know, at the end of the day, I want to achieve great things. I have to take the risks that other people aren't going to. And, and I, I believe in myself and, um, my team believes in me and uh, I really took um, the words and advice from my coach. And, you know, when we talked about it, he's like, well, you fought when you went to Gamma, you you fought multiple times. Like you fought back-to-back -back days with only one, like you, you literally fought 
day after day. So with this, you have four weeks. That's so much more time. So you've already done this before. Like four weeks compared to 24 hours is mm-hmm. is huge. So, um, yeah, I really take lead from my team and uh, trust in my my skills and ability um, to, yeah, do what I, I need to do and uh, try and achieve or <laughs> try and achieve something great. So, yeah. Now, this event, Endura, like in terms of Australian MMA, like how how many people attend these kind of events? How big is it, you think? Well, it's already sold out. Uh, it's been sold out for a little bit. Um, and then obviously there's, you know, they, they live stream and they get quite a lot. So Endura is a relatively new promotion, but from the get-go, from the very first show, because I fought on their first show, this is only their fourth show. So their first show was in February last year. Um, and from the get-go, their show was amazing. Sold, They've like sold out every time. They've put on really good matchups. They've got the streams happening and, you know, um, really good quality. Um, and they look after the fighters. And I think that they're going to be a pretty big force to be reckoned with because um, they're straight away from their very first show, they're competing with a lot of the other higher-level shows um, in, in Australia. So, um, yeah, like I think it's going to be a, a massive night too because, you know, this one sold out still a fair way out from the fight as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, some people may not know the show yet or obviously outside of Australia, but um, I think they're going to be a, a really big one as well. And I think this will be sort of potentially one of those defining moments for them as well. Um, and I think they'll have that footage and they'll be playing it um, and keeping that for their records. When um, I think both of us will end up in some big international organisations um, probably in the not too distant future, um, you know, so yeah, I think it's going to be big for them as well. Now I want to ask you about Fane. Like I watched some of her fights. It seems like maybe she's a little bit more ground oriented. I don't know if you agree with me, but it seems like that's maybe her strong area. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, I would say that as well. Um, but the, the thing is like, if everyone is getting better, um, outside of, uh, fights and, uh, like I like to think that my opponents are good everywhere and train for the fact that they're good everywhere because that's um, my biggest attri- attribute is actually being well-rounded. I'm not a specialist. I'm not um, incredibly perfect, amazing at any one thing, but um, I think my fight IQ and my adaptability to just do whatever I have to do um, and take and feel comfortable fighting anywhere is what works for me. Um, and yeah, I think she's obviously utilized a lot of her grappling in her matches, but that might be just because that's what she has a lot of success with. That's what she feels comfortable with. But she may have a lot of other weapons that she's been working on that she has a lot of success with that she just hasn't felt the need to show because no one's pushed her or, you know, no one's um, had that same level of, of grappling or or something like that. So, um, and I, I think I have a much higher level of grappling than, um, any of her previous opponents. Um, so yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't get too caught up in what I've seen her have success with before because, um, I have no doubt her and her coaches and her team, cause she comes from a great, great gym and a great team that are always working. Um, so I have no doubt that she's worked on everything and all of her areas. So 
I don't know, she might come out and just, you know, want to want to stand and bang and try and knock me out. So, you know, you got to be ready for everything. Do you feel any pressure as a representative of Gamma, so to speak? Um, I mean, I always want to perform well for me. And I think I try and not to worry about those external pressures. Obviously, you know, um, the selectors for Gamma saw something in, in me um, when they selected me to go and represent Australia um, and compete. So, you know, it would mean a lot to me to be able to, um, I guess, kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it, it would be giving back to them, but but continuing to to represent them, I guess, in in this fight. Like at the end of the day, it's not like it's not like I'm signed by them or getting paid or or um by them or anything like that. Anything like that. So at the end of the day, this fight's all a, a, about me. But you know, it would be cool. Um, they've always sort of, I, I guess, um, followed my journey and stuff as well. So it would be really cool to, I guess, continue to to represent them as well. Um, but I, I don't feel pressure from them directly. Like, um, at the end of the day, I just want to represent myself and, and, and do the best that, that I can and, and put on a massive performance so that, you know, we all look good. Now I want to ask you kind of about your, your, uh, beginnings in martial arts. When was like your first exposure to it? My first exposure, I literally grew up in a tiny, tiny, tiny country town in the middle of nowhere in Australia. The next closest town was an hour, is an hour and a half away uh, drive. Um, so I had no exposure to MMA or really any martial arts except like karate um, until I moved away. So I moved to um, Canberra for university when I turned 18 and that's when I sort of first saw the UFC and then I became like the, the biggest fan. I became a super fan and I watched everything and I went back and watched all the origins and I, you know, I just fell in love with it, but I was a broke uni student. So I actually um, didn't start training. I didn't ever think that I would fight. I like, I just didn't think that I would ever end up doing that. And then, then it wasn't until, you know, a handful of years later, um, a Muay Thai gym opened up right next to where I was working, I finally had a full-time job and all that kind of stuff. So I went in there cause it kind of fell in my lap, uh, started only trained there for a few months. And I, and I realized very quickly that, you know, I don't want to do Muay Thai. I want to do MMA. And then, so that kind of helped me and, and the coach of that gym kind of helped me, um, in terms of getting my foot in the door and finding, um, an MMA coach. And then that's kind of where it started. So I started, you know, a bit later in life. And I, I think my, that's the other thing with this fight, both of us, I think started our MMA journeys a little bit later on in life. Um, so yeah, I think we've, we've been on sort of very parallel, um, paths, uh, which is, you know, kind of really cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then uh, then I just fell in love with the sport even more. I was already in love with it from a, a fan perspective. Um, and then, yeah, it was just like, yeah, I want to do this. This is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, you know, I had a lot of adversity and nearly walked away from the sport a number of times. But, you know, I just, I just couldn't. I just love it so much. Um, and, yeah, I just had to still be involved in it no matter what and uh and then yeah now i'm here so yeah it's pretty crazy why'd you want to walk away from it? was it just you retired of it I, at different points or 
No, no, no. It was never, it was never that I didn't enjoy the sport. It was, um, so at one point, like, and this is before COVID. Um, so I went from, you know, only training for a short amount of time before starting to fight. Um, and then I had like four fights in the first year and then I could not get a fight for two years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. And I was in basically fight camp over and over again continuously for two years couldn't get a fight I couldn't get a boxing fight I couldn't get a Muay Thai fight I couldn't get an MA fight um and like I would I would get matchups and then it would get to like between like five and ten days out from the fight and my opponent would pull out and then obviously like there's not enough girls as it is but let alone no one's taking a short notice fight so not that short notice anyway um and then the next prom- promotion would immediately be like, that's all right. I'll get you on my show um, and get a match up. And then so I'm like, you know, have a few days rest straight back into fight camp. And I broke my body down and I broke my mind down. And it, it, it broke me that I'm like, why am I putting everything in my life on hold and making these sacrifices and doing all these things, breaking my body down and um, over and over and over again? when I, I can't even fight, like I, I'm not even getting to do the sport. Like, so what's the point, you know? Um, and yeah, that was really hard. Like, obviously it's really hard when you have a few fights fall through, but man, I had, I had so many over and over and over for, for pretty much two years. Um, and that was tough. It was like, and I already started later in life. So I already felt like I was so far behind and part of that too is was like I was just saying yes to anything. And so like I do have losses on my record from fighting at weight divisions I shouldn't have and probably taking matches I shouldn't have. I, I um, you know, I accept those losses and I'm grateful for them because they taught me a lot. They taught me I took so much out of them um, and they made me who I am today. But, you know, I just fought anyone, anyone I could. Um, and, you know, then, yeah. It, it just, it, it really broke me. Um, and yeah, I nearly walked away from the sport. Um, and so what I did end up doing was just doing a bunch of jujitsu, um, like grappling tournaments. So I could have some form of competition or some form of something where I could see some kind of progress or some something. Um, and yeah, there was that point in time. There was another point in time where it was kind of like, I'd lost everything in my life. Um, and I was broken down and, you know, I, I just felt like I, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And, um, like I had the worst year of my life ever and I didn't have a gym anymore and I didn't have, you know, I, I did like, I literally didn't even know where I was going to be living. I didn't, you know, I had nothing. I didn't even know if I had a support network or what I was going to do. And, um, you know, so then I thought, I thought about, you know, uh, thought about leaving the sport then, uh, as well, because it just, yeah, it, it, what happened sort of broke me and I, and yeah, I was going to walk away from the sport. And then I, I found my current gym and I was kind of like, you know, I just want to have one more fight. I, I just want to have one more fight. And I went out there and that was actually when I fought on enduro number one, and I had the best time. And in that fight, it, um, I didn't want it to be over. I didn't want to finish the fight. I didn't want to stop my opponent. I just, I just, 
I I just wanted to go out there and enjoy every second I did. And I had this like list. I had this list of things I'd love to pull off in a fight. Just a, yeah. 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 Do you need me to talk about the list part again? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and sort of before the fight, I kind of had, you know, this list and a list of things that I would, you know, I'd love to be able to pull off in a fight, you know, and things, you know, uh, nasty jab, big right hand, spinning back fist, nasty leg kicks, you know, picking someone up and dumping them. Like um, I did a big like high crutch and, and slammed my opponent into the ground, you know, take their back, you know, a, a whole list of things. And I literally did all of them. I did every single one and I was, you know, so content and so happy with that. And, you know, I had my moment in there that where, you know, I was in there and I was just like, I love this, like this, this was amazing. And then, um, then I actually got, um, selected by, by Gamma, um, to, to go over and, and compete at Gamma and represent Australia. And I, I just couldn't not take that opportunity. Like I, I had never in my life ever thought that I would do anything sport related. I never thought that I would be an athlete. Calling myself an athlete is still very strange to me. Um, and so that was never a dream of mine. I never thought that it would be anything that I could ever do. Um, so going and representing my country just kind of meant everything to me. And I didn't have any, I didn't have any preconceived notions of what it was going to be like or how I would go. I literally was just like, I'm going to go over there, have fun. I'm going to give it everything. I'm going to, I am going to do everything I can to become a, a world champion. Um, but you know what, at the end of the day, this is just an added bonus. Um, you know, and that's what I did. I went over there and, and, and I won all my fights and, and got a gold medal and, and bought it home and, uh, for anyone that's sort of seen that footage, um, when I win the the second, the, when I win on the um the, on the last day in the grand final, um, against a, a pro fighter, and like all of the media, uh, for that one was that she was gonna sweep the division and she was gonna win and she was a favorite and whatever. And then I stopped her with with ground and pound. Actually all of my fights were stoppages, um, at Gamma and, um, yeah, I get up and I just immediately start crying because it just came off the back of like the worst time in my life where I was going to leave the sport and, um, yeah, to have gone over there and, and done that, um, like it was just so emotional and it, it really felt like it was, you know, that moment to sort of say like, no, this is what you're meant to be doing. Like, this is exactly where you're meant to be. And, you know, all those struggles and all that adversity, like leading up to you, uh, leading up to this point was, was all for a reason and you, and you, you're meant to be here. So, um, yeah, so it was pretty emotional and, uh, yeah. Uh, then, then it was just full steam ahead because I, I knew in that moment, like, this is what I meant to do. So then I, I trusted in myself and it, there's really been a big change and shift, you know, uh, in myself in terms of, you know, trusting and believing uh, in myself, my skills and going, you know, well, why not, why not, why not go and achieve great things? So, yeah. Where'd they send you to compete in Gamma? When? No, where did they send you? Where did oh, you go? Yeah. Oh, so the, the Gamma world championships were in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So literally the other side of the world opposite time frame. Um, yeah. Which was 
it was crazy. It was such a, a wild experience, like uh, amazing. Um, yeah. Cause I'd never flown to the other side of the world before either. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the whole thing was such a, an, a crazy surreal experience. Yeah. They have a great fight, fight history there too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really well run and, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was just such a, such a cool experience and, you know, fighting, uh, alongside, you know, people from all over the world was, was just so cool. How was the response from like, you're talking about the media, like the Dutch media, how was their response to you as, as when you won? Well, it, it's funny you asked that. Um, I actually ended up, uh, getting followed by like a local sort of media crew. Um, and that actually happened because they were going to follow the American team, but the American team had their own like media set up. So they sort of said, no, we don't want any like outsiders. Um, and so I had just started following them because they had done like a podcast with, with someone that I know from Australia an Australian fighter. So I just started following them and that just so happened that they were like, well, you know, we want to go to the event. We want to follow someone. They reached out to me and were like, um, do you like, can we follow you? can you talk to the coaches? Can we follow the Australian team? And I spoke to them, um, that like the coaches, cause I didn't have my coach or any of my team over there. I only went over with my, my partner. So, um, I was, you know, being coached by people I'd met the day before the competition started. So, you know, that was all new. I had to, I was like, Oh, let me contact them and ask them because I don't know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, yeah, so I did have, uh, I did have them. That was, um, air media, uh, come and interview me and sort of follow me around and, and that kind of stuff. So that was really cool because I got some footage and stuff um, that otherwise I wouldn't have had. Um, but other than them uh, specifically following me, all the other media around all my fights, um, I was the underdog in all of them. Um, and they were all sort of about my opponents. Um, and I didn't really realize cause I didn't look at it or, or anything when I was there, but when I, looked at it afterwards, I'd I actually seen that I was like the underdog in all of the fights. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, it is, it is. But, you know, as I said, like Gamma and, uh, you know, uh, other media and stuff have followed my journey since then um, and been really supportive. So, you know, uh, I think, I think it was such a, a positive experience for me with, with all of them that they've kind of then followed on, uh, since, since that, uh, that win over there. So yeah, it's been really good. Let me ask you this. Cause you're saying you're coming off a hard time. How do you, why do you think you were so successful after that, you know, achieving these three titles and yeah, what happened? Do you think? Question. Uh, I think it's got a lot to do with the, the person that I am. And like, I've, I work really hard and I worked really hard through all those times, even though I wasn't getting fights and I wasn't, you know, nearly going to walk away and I, you know, multiple times and, you know, I faced adversity and had losses and, you know, all those things that break you down and, and people usually walk away. And, you know, I think all of those things still add up to make me who I am, that I am determined and that I will keep working and uh, um, no matter what, and that kind of shows in how I fight as well. Um, that I, I, the biggest issue was during those hard times, um, especially that when my life fell apart, 
that impacted me heavily mentally and I kind of forgot who I was for a little bit and I had lost all belief and faith in myself, which I'd never sort of not had before. Um, and through fighting and achieving those things and, and doing those things that I thought were impossible and having people get around and, and want to support me and follow my journey and they truly believed in me and I couldn't understand why but like they helped me learn to believe in myself um and then that kind of I just went with that and went no all the things that I'm doing like they they add up and they they're meaningful and you know you've got to follow your passion and um that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's hard, but I embrace the hard. I look at all the adversities that I've faced and I go, well, I wouldn't be here without them. And I treat every day like that. Like, and it's that gratitude that I get to do what I do, but I need to make the most of every second. I need to work incredibly hard and I plan everything. And I, you know, I, I will be so present in every moment in every training session. I will be trying to get better in some way. Um, and, and progress isn't linear and, you know, I don't necessarily get heaps better every day. Um, but I'm, I'm always mindful of that. And I've done a lot of work on myself. Um, I've, you know, engaged a team and, and it's honestly, it's literally just hard work. It's hard work and self belief, um, towards a goal. And that's, that's why I've been successful because I'm not a natural athlete. I never was, I was trash at any kind of sport growing up that's why I never thought I'd ever be an athlete but I tried hard and over time hard work beats talent over time hard work beats anything else because if you're working hard and dedicated you will find success and if you can battle through the struggles and not give up that teaches you something and you become you become a person that can fight through adversity um, and I meant that figuratively, but also in my case, doing a combat sport, literally, if I can fight through like life adversity and mental adversity and like, you know, I can fight through the physical adversity easy. Um, and I think that's it. It's like I, in life and all these things, I found a way to keep going and trust in the process and, and, and know that this is what I want to do. So when I'm in there in the cage, I, I channel that, that this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is, you know, I will find a way. I, I trust in myself that I will find a way to, you know, come out the other side and, you know, be successful. And that doesn't necessarily just mean, you know, just a win or lose thing. It's like the person that I am and, you know, doing well for the sport and bringing exposure and being a good role model and being that person that I wish I had, you know, um, and that's kind of my why in the sport. It's like I want to achieve all these things so that it can put me in a position where I can make meaningful change to the sport and, you know, meaningful change for the next generation. And so um, I guess that's part of it as well is that my why is bigger than just me. I don't want to just win so that I can be a champion and have a belt like I want to be in a position where I become undeniable in, in my influence. Like when you, when you become the champion and you, you know, you get to the top of the organization, you can make change. We've, we've seen other fighters do it. Like 
like we've seen how big Conor McGregor was, you know, he, he paved the way to be getting paid more, you know, um, we seen Ronda Rousey paved the way to get women into the UFC, you know, um, when you achieve these things from that position, that's where you can make meaningful change. So my why is much bigger than me. So I think about that as well and channel that into everything that I do. I want to make this sport better for everyone in it, especially the next generation. And I want to inspire people to chase their dreams and that you can achieve great things if you're willing to be dedicated and and work really, really hard. I want to ask you about, obviously, there's a lot of tension on Australia and New Zealand because of the success of Volkanovski, Adesanya, Hooker, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Kind of tell me your, your thoughts on that as someone who's competing there, you know, who's been successful so far yourself just kind of maybe how they're doing and kind of what your feelings are around that for people that aren't in Australia who maybe are looking at that from the outside like UFC fans and stuff honestly it's so incredible to be seeing um the Anzacs the Australian and New Zealand uh fighters you know not just making it to the top level but we're we're dominating now like we're really showcasing um, you know, what we're capable of and the sport and representing our country. And, and that's something like Australians are very proud people. Um, you know, we, we are always proud of where we come from and, uh, representing our country means a lot to us. Um, so it's, it's really, really cool to see, but we're also seeing it not just at the top level at the moment. Um, my partner and I, we actually commentate shows as well uh local shows uh, across all combat sports so not just mma boxing muay thai kickboxing k1 like mm-hmm. all of them um and we obviously attend jiu-jitsu comps and, and that kind of stuff as well and and we we are literally seeing just all of these sports progress so far and you, and we're seeing people on the local and amateur like level having their debut fight or only a couple of fights in and the level is so high um, and it's so refreshing to see. It's so just amazing. And I, I'm so grateful to be a part of the sport and hopefully keep paving the way for the, the next the next generation. But it's also partly because of those people like Volkanovski, like Rob Whitaker, you know, that are in at the top level and becoming champions that have inspired, you know, the, the current generation to to realize that, you know, we're not behind the other countries you we can we can make it too and we can go out there and 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 we can be successful and and we can be world champions and you know don't let the the stigma that we've heard plenty of times before that australia is not good and you know these sports have only been in australia for a short amount of time and you know you're never going to catch up to the brazilian champions or the u.s champions um and we're out there showing that you know maybe we haven't had wrestling for very long maybe we still don't have you know as higher level, but we'll, we'll show you that, you know, we are resilient people and we will go out there and do what we have to do to win. And, you know, we, we have champions and we have such a wealth of, of, of talent um, across all of the combat sports. You know, we're, we're seeing a high level Muay Thai fighters, boxers, K1, kickboxing, all coming out of Australia as well as MMA. So it's incredible to see. And I know that all of the the current fighters at the top level fighting in the big organizations um, are really inspiring everyone here within Australia to, to chase those dreams. And I guess that's what I want to do too. So 
um, I take a lot of inspiration from them and you sort of see it that all, all the Aussies are tough, durable, and they're very hardworking. Um, and I think that's a lot of the attributes of, of us um, as a nation. Why do you think they kind of bursted out kind of all at the same time? Um, I don't know if they did. I think it's more just an exposure thing. Mm. Um, like Australia's had people in the UFC for, you know, oh, a yeah. number yeah. of years, yeah. a number of years. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is like, obviously the sports kind of been trying to catch up. We've, we've been trying to play catch up, you know, call it like I see it. Our, our training, the sports just weren't in Australia, you know, like we didn't have jujitsu, um, we didn't have wrestling. We, you know, we didn't have the level of striking that we have. Um, but as I said before, not only like we are resilient people and we're very hardworking, that's work ethic is, you know, a very common trait of all the top athletes, but especially from this, this um, part of the world. And I think that's what's sort of seen us not just filter one or two in we've kind of, we've gone like this because of our hard work and our work ethic and our just want to be there and want to represent our country. And I think that's kind of why we've kind of just seen it rather than sort of very slowly get a few fighters. We've just gone, yeah, we've just exploded because everybody is, you know, really put their all in. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's why we've kind of seen the, the sport, explode the way it has here and um we're seeing so many people have so much success um at the top level yeah i remember i'm from the old school man so i remember people like chris hasteman ian chafer you know brian eversall you know those kind of guys from the early years so yeah they've definitely been around but what i meant was like we're volkanovsky champion adesanya champion you know yeah you think they all broke out kind of like you know yeah, same, yeah 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 where they all sort of became champions and stuff and I think that also come down to the opportunity as well I don't think um honestly I don't think the big promotions they also had that sort of misguided thought like oh we'll, we'll get a couple Australians on you know because we'll do a card in Australia once every couple of years or whatever so we need to have some fighters so I think it was about some of our fighters getting those opportunities to get their foot in the door to then showcase we do have that level. Um, and as I was saying, like, obviously the hard work, they were putting it in, but they needed those opportunities. And once one or two got in, then they were like, and and that's the other thing too, the Australian people from a fan base, again, very proud people, um, very patriotic. Um, so every time an Australian or New Zealand fighter fights, Australia and New Zealand are, are right behind them. So then it opened up this big market where, you know, these bigger promotions realized that there's a lot of people following the sport in this country or these two countries now. So we need to then bring events back because we'll essentially make money and people will be watching it and we're getting lots of pay-per-view buyers from over in Australia. So then that opened up the door for for more opportunity, I think, um, because they want to fill those cards with local fighters because they want obviously people to turn up to the events and then those opportunities are what allowed those fighters to um, get their foot in the door, showcase what they're, they're made of and become undeniable 
to um, get those those title um, opportunities. And it, literally all of them just worked their, their asses off to get there. Like Volk fought everyone. He fought everyone to get the title. Like, yeah. and Izzy came over being already, um, you know, so, like already having so many accolades um, and, you know, he went out there and was devastatingly, you know, finishing people. Rob literally fought a murderer's row. He fought everyone in the division. They gave him everyone before he got to actually fight for the title, um, you know. So they, they earned their stripes and I think they have opened up those doors for everyone. But I think it was literally the hard work of like the earlier um, fighters representing Australia and the fan base in Australia exploding to bring those opportunities and then they've all capitalised and then that's allowed that next step of the big promotions realising, oh, okay, there's a big market here, there's opportunities. Wow, these fighters coming out of Australia are good. They are up to this level. Let's get more. Let's get more and more. So I think it's kind of been that snowball effect where it started small and then picked up momentum and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, how much coverage does it get in Australia, like on news or whatever? How how big is it compared to other sports? Oh, okay. Media in Australia is really funny. Um, <laughs> like Volk and Rob get some mainstream media, but not a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is or why. Like there are obviously some dedicated like media around combat sports. The thing is, there's a huge fan base in Australia, Australia and New Zealand, huge. But I think it's this very interesting, weird dynamic of like mainstream media doesn't like to cover combat sports very much uh, on uh, across any of them. Like maybe boxing, like when when Jeff Horn uh, won against Pacquiao, like that was everywhere. And um, I guess, you know, um, there's a few boxing fights that they'll sort of say, but it'll still be the same thing. And then same with like when Rob won and when Volt won and, and whatever, they'll, they'll be very, very short sort of clips saying like, ah, and Australia has another world champion or this person defended their belt, you know, against this person. That's it. Like there wouldn't be huge build up media and heaps of like, um, stories and stuff because, yeah, I think the mainstream media is still funny about combat sports here because, um, like, it was only a handful of years ago that um, they changed the rules to allow people to fight in cages in Victoria, um, you know, which is insane because the cage is there for fighter safety. Like, there was still that very outdated, um, misinformed mentality, which I think is very in line with the fact that we were behind in the sport, in awareness, in the training and the skills and all, all of those things were very behind all those other countries. Um, so I think we were behind and we've been behind in terms of awareness of like mainstream media, like the fan base is there and it's huge. Um, but in terms of breaking those stereotypes, um, I think we're probably still a little bit behind in terms of, um, that mainstream media. And I think it's also got a lot to do with, you know, who's in the mainstream media, that it's probably an older audience because obviously online and all of that kind of stuff um, and those demographics, like obviously there's a lot more sort of media and things going on there, but like the mainstream TV, radio, like newspapers, that's that older 
uh, demographic, I think, and I think that's why they're really resistant to to combat sports. Let me ask you about one thing, because you have mentioned a little bit, but uh, during COVID, obviously, Australia is pretty hardcore. I actually had a friend I don't know if you had heard about. I don't know how much news it got, but I used to live in Hawaii. I knew a guy, JQ, and he played for University of Hawaii. He was contracted to Ryzen. He was training at Craig Jones's gym. And, you know, also Japan was strict also. Obviously, they weren't having fights. Yeah. So in his infinite wisdom, I guess he thought it'd be a good idea to get involved in narcotics or whatever. And he oh, got in no. a lot of trouble. Did you hear about that or no? No, I didn't hear about okay. that, but oh no. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah, so he was having the same problem, I guess you could say. He couldn't fight. I don't know why he just didn't leave Australia. I don't know how that worked. Maybe he didn't have enough uh, money. Couldn't. I don't know. But <laughs> he couldn't fight down, in Japan because he was under contract. Yeah. Obviously, couldn't fight in Australia. I, I, Yeah, so you, you, you had some of the same issues. Oh, yeah. literally everyone in Australia couldn't fight almost two years um like on and off there was like we all got locked down for like a year and then we got out of lockdown and there was a couple of shows and then we went back into lockdown so so pretty much everyone didn't fight for that period of time um which was obviously horrible and it was hard for for so many people um unfortunately like there was a lot of people that that lost their lives um, during that time. You know, it was a really, really tough time for Australia and Australians. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, it was a rough time for everybody. Um, and, you know, the fact that it was it's one thing that we couldn't fight, but it's another thing too that, you know, we were locked down so we couldn't train, you know. Um, so that's hard because you've uh, – for a lot of people – fighting and training uh, that that's part of who you are, but that's also part of, you know, how you, I don't know, deal with stress, pressure, deal with, deal with all those kind of issues that that situation was actually creating. So it was very, very tough. Um, and yeah, like we, we couldn't do anything. It wasn't just fighting. It was, you know, literally anything. We couldn't go out and eat in a restaurant. We couldn't even go outside. We could go outside for a, a specified you know 15 minutes a day kind of thing at one point um you couldn't leave your house you know you couldn't see your friends and family um yeah it was it's pretty crazy um and then yeah we come out the other side and ever since we come out the other side of covid oh my goodness every fight show is putting on shows all the time and for the first time every fighter is like willing to fight or like maybe not every fighter but like I feel like more so than ever before, like I, I could never have imagined, have, never have imagined that I would be able to have seven fights in a year and a half because I struggled to get one in two years um, and everybody's showing up, making sure that they, you know, make weight and they fight and all of that kind of stuff. And people, um, you know, you still get some people that try and handpick fights, but other than that, the, the vast majority of people are happy to fight um, and yeah, as I said, there's so many shows on all the time now. It's like, we're trying to make up for, for all that time that we didn't have anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, the sport is just really booming now, now that we're on that other side, but yeah, it was a really, really tough time for, for everyone. 
in Australia, whether you're in combat sports or not, but obviously for, for all of us and, and people that maybe relied on that money and training, you know, people that run gyms or your gyms are just immediately shut down, you know, um, it was, it was really, really tough. Um, and I, I'm so glad that we we've made it out the other side now. Now, you know, as kind of as we're winding down the interview, I, I kind of wanted to ask you what's something that's important to you or something that, you know, you may want to end the interview on. You, I really enjoy the interview because you seem very thoughtful about everything that you're talking about, you know, or answering. So I was wondering if you kind of had a message you wanted to leave or or even where people could follow you, see some of the things you're doing, your podcasts, so on. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um. Yeah, well, obviously, as I've sort of said, you know, my main goal um, is to to change the sport for, for the better and, and represent the sport and be a good role model. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's that's the path that I'm on and that's what I plan on doing. And I want to take this to, to the highest level. Um, so if anyone does want to follow my journey, um, I would be eternally grateful um, for it because, you know, the, the more people that want to be a part of it, you know, it just makes me feel so just warm and fuzzy and it really fills my cup. Um, so you can actually find me on any social media by searching Drop Bear MMA to drop bear MMA. Um, and I have just started a, a podcast, which I'm about to start re- releasing some episodes and it's called drop bear downpour. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you would like to, to follow that, basically what it's going to be about is, you know, what it's like inside and outside of, of fighting, uh, what life is like, um, some really cool, I guess, behind the scenes. And, and I have my partner sort of co-hosted and it's been really fun, chatting with him, learning about what, what these things are like from his perspective. Um, we're going to chat to some awesome guests, tell some funny stories, um, about things inside and outside of MMA, some funny stuff outside as well. Um, and yeah, use that platform to continue to sort of, you know, hopefully bring exposure to the sport in a positive way. And, um, as I said, there will be some, uh, non MMA related stuff in there as well, but you know, that's my main goal, um, in, in life is to take this journey as far as I possibly can and hopefully change some lives along the way. Even if just one person gets something out of it, um, or I can make one change that's going to help the next generation. That's, that's what I'm here to do. Um, and I'm here to, you know, try and achieve great things. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I just want to share my passion and love for this sport and hope that, you know, that, that there can be some other people out there that maybe get involved and, and, and learn to love the sport the, the way that I do. Um, yeah. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone that, um, you know, is involved with this sport because you make it, uh, what it is and, you know, you don't have to be a part of it in terms of fighting or coaching or, or anything like that. Um, even just watching and, and being a fan and, and being involved because without you guys, you know, um, we don't get to do, we don't get to do this and do what we love. So, so thank you so much for, for tuning in and, and being a part of it. And that, that includes you as well. Um, you know, being part of the media and interviewing all of us and, and bringing exposure to the sport. I do really, 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 really appreciate it. And thank you so much for reaching out to me and having me on. Now your podcast, where, where are you going to have it at? Where people um, can so- watch it? So um, my podcast will be coming out on all platforms. It will be a video podcast. So if you want to watch it, 
um, you, you'll probably want to watch, uh, watch it on YouTube. Um, but I will be doing the audio version on all your regular, um, podcast platforms. Um, if you follow the Instagram page again, just drop bear downpour. Um, you can follow Facebook as well, but on the Instagram page, especially if you're, uh, like listening at just audio only, um, but you're curious about if we reference a video or anything like that, what we're actually going to do is just pop up any videos that show, that um, we reference or, or show up in an ep- episode um, actually on the Instagram and put them in story highlights. So you can just go check them out. You can listen on any of the audio platforms, but obviously it would make um, a big difference to me if you could follow it on, on the YouTube um, as well, because I put a lot of effort into to having the video there as well. Uh, Is yeah. it drop down? Drop bear downpour on YouTube also. Yep, drop okay. bear downpour on 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 everything. So yeah, e- easy to find. Drop bear MMA, drop bear downpour. Um and uh yeah, it's called drop bear downpour because um when I when I first started fighting um I I I, I kind of wanted to sort of talk about my friends, family, my followers, you know, everyone um, as sort of as a collective term. And there wasn't already a collective term of a specific one for, for drop bears. So that's what we called it, drop bear downpour. And uh, every single person um, that follows along in the journey is part of the the, the drop bear downpour. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for everyone that, that makes up that. So had to had to call the podcast that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Everyone subscribe to it. Thank Drop you. Down, down. <laughs> um, you know, I want to thank you for taking time to do this again. You know, what I love about doing this stuff and what you probably will too, obviously. Is, I mean, I don't know you, but, you know, I already got to meet you, talk about this fight. You know, I know people from all over. It's it's incredible love to connecting do this people. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Combat community is very small um, when you think about it. Um, and it, it's so cool meeting other people uh, within the sport or that, you know, ha- have a passion in, in this sport. Some of the best people in the world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate your time. I'll let you get to watching the fights and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, love to have you back on, you know, after the fight or whenever, you know, it's a great yeah, interview. It's a lot of fun. I would, I'd love to come back anytime you'll have me um, and we can, we can do another catch up and yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. So everyone, this is Daniel Curtis and I want to thank everyone checking out this episode and until next time, take care.